Hello, it's Philly here. Just a quick announcement before we jump into today's episode. Natural Medicine Week, hosted by Australian Traditional Medicine Society, is coming up on the 22nd to the 28th of May. I'm a proud ambassador for Natural Medicine Week, which showcases all the many ways natural medicine can restore the body and mind with live online events run by qualified practitioners across Australia. You can check out the link in the show notes to find your way to Natural Medicine Week. As part of the event, I'll be holding a special free Root Cause of Emotional Eating Masterclass, which you can sign up for via the Natural Medicine Week website. During the masterclass, I'll be digging into emotional eating, food addictions, sugar cravings, and the hidden imbalances in the body that cause this behavior, as well as the metaphysical imbalances that are at the deepest root cause of emotional eating. Hope you can make it. Okay, on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Ending Body Burnout Show, where your hosts, Chris and Philly, co-founders of multi-award winning functional medicine practice, serving busy people with energy, mood and gut issues. While busyness, overworking, addictive doing and perfectionism might be the norm, it's not normal and it's a major contributor to health issues. Our goal with this show is to give you a holistic root, root cause approach to healing your body so that you don't have to continue doctor or diet hopping or popping a gazillion supplements hoping something might stick. So get ready to heal your body, get your spark back, deeply connect with yourself and step into the life of your your dreams. Let's dive in. Hi guys, welcome to the Anybody Burnout Show. Chris here. I'm with my co-host Philippa. Totally excited. Hello, hello. We are here today to talk all about emotional eating. As you've heard, we're running a web class next week on the root cause of emotional eating for Natural Medicine Week. So I'll pop the link in the show notes if you want to sign up to that. And today I thought it'd be a cool opportunity, maybe slightly embarrassing, for us to dig into my own emotional eating journey, which has really spanned over the car over the last decade. Right, so grateful to have you along, guys. Pretty keen to get rocking with this one. Let's dive in. Yeah, so let's maybe chat about what do we actually mean by emotional eating. That's a term that a lot of people throw around all the time. So when we're talking about emotional eating, it's really eating your emotions. So a lot of people will show up with emotional eating when they're stressed or when they're bored or when they're angry or overwhelmed. And, you know, we have a lot of clients who come to us who are just like, I just can't stop eating the chocolate when I'm stressed out. And this is a really strong pattern too with busy people who have body burnout because a lot of the times you're reaching for these foods as well because you have no energy. So you're using it as a pick-me-up. You're feeling anxious and overwhelmed. So you're using the food to calm you, to um, give yourself a bit of momentary love and pleasure and it can lead to gut issues. Um, okay. So it can also show up as food addictions as well. So some people really are just stuck in this cycle of emotional eating and craving all the foods. And so we want to dig into all of that with you. 
Before we do, Dr. Mark Kyman, you may have heard of him. He's a functional medicine doctor in America. He wrote a cool blog post, I don't know how long ago it was, but he said, emotional eating gets a bad rap. So when we talk, for most of this podcast, we will be talking about the way that it negatively shows up and how it's uh, how there's a lot of guilt and shame and restriction around the way that we eat. But emotional eating can actually be beautiful. And that's kind of what I've learned over the years is that I still eat food I still eat. I still emotionally eat. I love food. Food is my life and food is pleasurable. So we don't want to talk about food as if it's bad and you should only use it for fuel and you should only use it to nourish your body. You can also use it to love yourself up. But the uh, what's the saying again? Uh, there's nothing wrong Everything's okay. Every, <laughs> everything's okay until it's not. Nothing's nothing's wrong until it is. Yeah, yeah. And and so eating that way, having that those patterns, those those ways of being and doing, it's not bad until it is. And sometimes you just come smack bang collision course with the realization that the way you are behaving and the things you're doing, these patterns, mm. they're it's not okay anymore. Yeah, and it will show up dysfunctionally if you are feeling food fear or shame or guilt in the way that you're eating. If you're constantly restricting and then binging and that does not feel good, if it's also affecting your body system, so it's like literally causing link to health issues, that's a sign that your relationship with food is dysfunctional. Okay, so let's go back to 2011. So that was 12 years ago. I actually thought, so this is pre-kids when there were definitely signs that my health was were, was uh, not right, but I didn't really think much about my health back then before kids. And I actually truly thought I was eating healthy. <laughs> I would have my cereal in the morning. I'd have my white salad sandwich in at lunch. I'd have a muesli bar and maybe like some fruit or something for a snack. Dinner would be meat and veg and maybe pasta and rice and all that sort of stuff. And then like I was just a massive sweet tooth though. So there were always vanilla slices and cakes and chocolate. Um, I loved uh, or anything with fruit, so hot cross buns, um, Boston buns, all of these things I just loved, but I really didn't think that there was an issue because I wasn't like binging out on the food. However, what I found was when my health did start falling apart after I had kids, I really showed up with some sugar addictions and I was definitely emotional eating, especially when I was stressed out and overwhelmed. Um, sometimes my body would even get to the point where it was like visibly shaking and which, you know, I now know that was like cortisol, adrenal stress hormones going funky, affecting my blood sugar levels, but I was just constantly craving and wanting sugar to pick me up emotionally and physically. And I remember one time, this is probably a turning point for me, but I was in the supermarket with my toddler and my newborn and they were both just screaming and I was having the worst day ever. I was almost about to start crying. I had my shopping trolley and this old lady came up to me and she said, don't worry, dear, they grow up. (laughs) 
And then I just started bursting out crying because I'm like, she's so lovely. But I just was not handling my emotions. And so what ended up happening is I had this intention to only buy one packet of hot cross buns. But when I got home and I started unpacking the groceries, it's just like, I've got three packets of hot cross buns plus a Boston bun plus uh, two loaves of fruit loaf. Like, what the heck is going on? Um, okay. So that, that was kind of like the way that I was eating before I actually came across nutrition and functional medicine. And when I started to go on my healing journey and a book that really, um, I guess was a light bulb moment for me was a book called Deep Nutrition by Catherine Shanahan. So her book was all about how eating the foods that I had been eating could cause cancer and could cause inflammation in my body. And at this time, uh, I'd experienced like my own body burnout. So it was about a year of like feeling a lot of intense symptoms and feeling like I was an 80 year old. So I'm reading this book. I'm like, holy crap, the food that I'm eating is causing me to feel sick. What if I could eat healthy and whole food as this book suggests, and it could heal my body. And so the type of personality that I am, I'm like, I am all in, let's do this. And so I completely upheaved the kitchen. I made different food choices. Um, do you remember back back then, like our kitchen, we had this tiny little dingy <laughs> rental property and tiny, tiny kitchen, but there were things fermenting and sprouting and I was even able to access some raw dairy. So I was making my own yogurt and cheeses and there was no space on the benches. Basically, I was just like making everything from scratch the way that my grandma probably did a hundred years ago. <laughs> Um, okay. So all of that was good and well, but in terms of emotional eating, I was still stuck in this love of sugar and processed food. So part of me wanted to eat healthy and part of me wanted to nourish my body with good food. But then the other part of me was feeling really deprived and restricted because I hadn't really looked at the root cause as to why I was showing up with these eating behaviors in the first place. I was just looking at the surface levels like, okay, if I can eat this, I'm going to heal my body. So I'm going to not eat this. But then my emotions overtook me, especially on the weekdays I was quite good with healthy eating and on the weekends we would go to social events or family events and I was just unraveled every time I saw like hot cross buns (laughs) or vanilla slices or cream puffs I would want to eat them and I did and initially it was just like this is my treat I've been eating so healthy throughout the week and now I'm gonna treat myself and I would way overeat this food because of this like it was a yo-yo cycle of being really restricted and I need to eat healthy to heal my body to flip and right to the other side to like I'm just going to treat myself so there was a lot of um I wasn't being true to myself or honest to myself in terms of I was just trying to justify my behavioral patterns and during this time I started studying clinical nutrition as well and I actually was becoming a practitioner And so I was still doing this pattern and then all of a sudden this pattern of eating junk food in at the weekend as treats, I continued doing it, but I had a lot of guilt and shame around it because now I felt like a hypocrite. I'm like, I'm supposed to be like this clinical nutritionist and super healthy and everyone thinks I am and I shouldn't be. So I shouldn't be eating that food over there that is the evil food. So I put a lot of 
I put a lot of like negative emotion on the eating food, yet I didn't stop. But the weird thing that I was doing was if we went to a social event, I'd have my plate and I'd put like carrot sticks and celery sticks and like just fruit and fruit and veggies. There wasn't a lot of choices. And I'd have people come up to me and they're like, oh, you're so healthy, Philly. Look at you. I wish I could eat like you, Philly. Ego stroking. (laughs) Okay, yeah, ego stroking. But little did they know that there was a period of my time, of this time, where I would actually take the cakes and wrap them up in a serviette and put them in my bag to eat later out of sight. That's a very shame. So that's that's shame is something that happens in private a lot of the times, isn't mm. it? Oh, and it was so private. I used to even hide. Well, I actually hid food from you because you ate it. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but there, I do remember there was a period of time too where I was It's a wise even, choice, let's be honest. I, yeah. even, <laughs> I even felt shame eating certain foods around my family and there was probably a part of that too because I would tell Chris off or I'd tell my mum or my sisters off or my nieces or nephews, oh, you shouldn't be eating that. Deep Nutrition says that can cause cancer. And so there was just a lot of like... Projection of shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the projection. And so this will come up when a frustration with others is always a frustration with yourself. So the fact that I was getting frustrated with them and their food choices was really just a reflection around my own dysfunctional eating patterns where I would eat healthy most of the time, but then I'd cave and I was weak and I would eat the things. Um. And even then, like when I ate the naughty stuff in um, exclamation marks, it was stress eating. And so like science tells us that when you're eating foods, regardless of whether it's healthy or unhealthy, if you're eating it with shame or guilt or from a place of stress or overwhelm, you cannot digest the food properly because you're in a chronic state of fight or flight and so, so if you're listening to this at the moment, like a little key takeaway would be if you're still in this cycle, gee, just try your hardest just to enjoy the food that you're eating, regardless of what you're eating, because you're going to have a way better um, ability to be able to process the food in a healthy way. Largely, stress is internal. Stress is internal. We, we choose what we're stressed about. Mm-hmm. Rewind that. And- we we have these these either unconscious, deeply unconscious, suppressed right down there agreements that might even be generational or cultural, just so deeply entrenched in our in our in ourselves, gen- genetically or or whatever. Uh, these agreements that we we do sign off on, we 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 say yes. I put my hand up, hand on chest, hand up. And I do solemnly swear to keep this agreement that if my kids are crying in the trolley, I will be overwhelmed. I will be stressed about this. And and see, how is this an internal issue? Surely, surely that's normal. And it is. It's normal. It's normal to have a have this stress response to to uh to crying kids in the in the trolley, but but the way you can find out whether or not it's a it's it's an opinion issue is is do do every 
does everybody have that same opinion? And the answer is clearly no. Not everybody has that same opinion of you that kids are crying. Some some were just totally okay. And it's not a suppression. It's totally okay that they cry. So therefore, the crying kids in the trolley is an, a stress that you're largely choosing to follow. And this is programmed in. Mm. And you can unprogram that. You can delete or, or, or change that. But it's going to take a little bit of digging and a little bit of work to, to get to that, that root. And the deeper root with that too was I was embarrassed. I'm like, these kids are making so much noise and everyone is going to look at me and think what a bad mum I am. And deep down inside, I actually think I'm a terrible mum. And so, of course, like a mother like that would feel really stressed out if their kids are crying in public. Which is, that's an agreement, hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, so you've, you've got this programmed in way of thinking that, uh, it's kind of like if you've got this ledger, uh, good mum doesn't let kids cry ever. And then the adult in you that, that can self-coach goes, uh, kids can't cry ever, <laughs> ever, never cry, never crying equals a good mum. And so when you start to question that, you can unravel these stories and, and they stop stop having such a meaningful um a meaningful expression in your life. Yeah. I had no skills around that back then. So like now if my kids You had are- no skills? <laughs> no skills? You had no, no skills? Not a lot. You had not a lot? No, I did study psychology, so I guess I had a bit. <laughs> you had a lot. You had a bit. You had a lot. <laughs> I definitely wasn't doing the inner work personally for myself. Um, okay. So after a few years of this, um, eating healthy during the week, binging out on the weekend- I realized that I came to this conclusion that the foods I was consuming on the weekends, especially dairy and sugar, but more so dairy was harming my body and not allowing it to fully heal. So during this process, I'd started doing my lab testing and taking supplements and all that sort of stuff. And I just got to the point where I'm just like, holy crap, every time I eat dairy, which is often mixed up with sugar and gluten, I just feel crap again and so it was almost like I never felt fully well and so I got to this point where I'm like I need to stop and listen to my language because this is the language I was using back then. I need to stop eating the naughty foods. I need to completely stop. I need to go cold turkey otherwise my body is never going to heal And so just a little segue, we have uh, so many people come to us, new clients who are just like, I am so overwhelmed with the amount of information about nutrition out there. There are so many diets and a lot of people get stuck in this. Is this the right way of eating? Should I eat keto? Should I eat paleo? Should I eat vegan? Should Should I intermittently fast? Should I do this, 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 this? What's the best way to eat? And we get really confused about all of this because it's just like bombarding on the internet all the time. And the truth is there is no best way to eat for everyone, (laughs) Um, which I'll go into maybe a bit later. But I, I was looking at some famous diet books. So Dr. Will Cole, again, another functional medicine doctor in America, wrote a book called Intuitive Fasting. And on Goodreads, 
there were a thousand ratings on this book and all of them, there was almost equal one stars to five stars, which just is like crazy. I think it just um, reflects the way that we are so confused about nutrition in this world. <laughs> so one of the one style, one one side of the intuitive fasting is like the worst way to eat. So a review said, I would have been more, uh, I'm going to read this. I would have been more okay with this book if it hadn't used the word intuitive. There is exactly zero, zero, zero intuitive things going on in this book. Intuitive eating advocates not creating a scarcity mindset through though through creating forbidden foods. This whole book is about making most food forbidden. So there's a bunch of people that are just like, this is the worst diet advice ever. And then on the other side of it, there's a whole heap of people on the intuitive fasting bandwagon who rave about this type of eating in this book. So a five-star review said, I love this take on intermittent fasting. I had dabbled in it and through this book, I realized I had been doing it all wrong. It should not be a punitive practice, but rather a form of self-love and self-respect. I loved learning of all the science-backed benefits of intermittent fasting and how to do it in a loving, intuitive way that honors your body's natural signaling. <laughs> so it's almost like, did these people read the same book? <laughs> Both of them the same. And, and this, I think, so uh, I've got something to say yeah, about perspective, right? So this is agreements. We, we can go through experiences in life and see them through a different lens. A diff- those, two, those two reviewers saw this one book these words this communication written on a page and they experienced it they perceived it they framed it completely different one perceived as positive one perceived as negative and and i think that that is a really key point and distinction that that we can have experience in our life but just because we experience it one way doesn't mean other people are going to experience it that way uh, just because we experienced it one way when we were a little kid doesn't mean we experience it that way as an adult. And, yeah. And we can we can change our perspective anytime we want. Yeah. And I think I think it just exemplifies that there's lovers and haters in all things, like especially with diet culture. Um, and it makes like it's it creates this container of emotional eating or feeling like you're doing the wrong thing. Like sometimes I'll have clients, you know, in a consult and you client and we go through their food diary and they're kind of like cringing and screwing up their face as I'm like, you know, looking at what they're eating. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, that looks good. It's nice and healthy. That's whole food. And they're kind of like, oh, yeah, but I eat some greens, like rice. I've heard that that's really bad. And so it's it's really sad. Like it's creating dysfunctional eating. And this is this is the space that I was in during that time where I was doing all types of really restrictive healing diets. Went cold turkey, didn't touch. I remember I touched no sugar, including even natural forms of sugar, uh, like, you know, raw honey, coconut sugar for six months. <laughs> It was hard. (laughs) It was hard because I was doing it from the energy of fear and like I wasn't going to be able to heal myself if I didn't do it perfectly. And I think touching on that, this naughty 
bad, evil food. That, that's that's victim speech, yeah? It's victim speech. There's a lot of shame and blame, hate, guilt, fear, and craving and desire t- tied up into that language. And and I liken it to dictators in in politics and government. They take away freedom. And so when we speak in victim speech, words and language and communication, when we speak in victim victim mode and with a victim mentality, we're really uh, right down in our in our soul. We're we're saying we have no agency here. We have no ability. I I have no agency here. I have no freedom here. I must. I have to. I can't. I shouldn't. And as we all know, in a dictatorship, in a in a in a compulsive government, <laughs> there will always be a rebellion. There will always be a a fight against. There's this conflict going on. And so what that shows up as when it comes to food is when there's compulsion, victim mentality, no agency, the the rebellion is cake the rebellion is the hot cross bun the rebellion is the what we call what we label it as emotional eating it's really just the the little rebel in us coming out and saying i do have a voice and I'll rebel against this compulsion. Mm. There is a eating disorder called orthorexia which actually I believe I had that during this period where it is this obsession with eating healthy food and for some people they can have orthorexia and then they have the little rebel come out and they're like, oh, I'm just going to eat all the things and then it's just like this, you know, just the same way that someone with bulimia would binge out and then they'd vomit and feel guilt and shame around that and then they'd purge out the food. Orthorexia can happen the same way where you're eating super healthy, you're really like obsessed with what you're eating, there's right or wrong, there's naughty and healthy um, and then you can self-sabotage self and eat the cake or for some people they don't touch the stuff like it's evil. It is evil, they will die if they eat it. And so this is this is really damaging, like not only to like to all layers of your whole self, your soul, your spirit, your emotions, even your physical body, you will not get the benefits from eating healthy if you have orthorexia or like a emotional eating um, pattern show up regardless of how it shows up. So, all right. So during this time I was doing lab testing as well, which I really feel helped kind of get out of this fight flight cycle. So when I did my lab testing, there were some key body systems that were out of balance that were just contributing and amplifying the emotional eating habits and patterns that I had and the thought patterns. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot about these lab tests and the body systems in the masterclass. So if you haven't signed up for that, I would go deep into showing you all the lab tests and looking at the markers and case studies of clients and myself that we've worked with. But mine showed up with adrenal fatigue, low progesterone, low dopamine and candida. Whew, all four of those will impact your relationship with food for most people. So when someone's in adrenal fatigue, it's affecting your blood sugar levels. So every time you're stressed and you're producing cortisol dysregulatorily, <laughs> your 
blood sugar levels follow your cortisol and then at some point they're going to crash. So you are constantly like literally physiologically wanting more sugar. Low progesterone means that a lot of women will experience PMS in the second half of the cycle or a week leading up to the cycle. And if you were like me, that's when the cravings really ramp up and your hormones are all over the place and you just want to eat the things that make you feel good. Uh, Low dopamine is a neurotransmitter which relates to a lot of things. It's your feel-good centre neurotransmitter. But when it's low, I often see that as addictive patterns. And so that could show up as food addiction and emotional eating patterns. And candida thrives on sugar and carbohydrates. So when you've got an overgrowth of this fungal infection, it can literally send signals up to your brain that you want more sugar, you want more sugar. And so when I could start sort of like tapping into the physiological side of things, and my emotions started to feel better, then I could start working on more of the inner stuff, which made a huge difference. Um, okay, so so went on for a few years and I actually felt like for a good few years I had a really nice relationship with food. That's what I consciously on the surface level believed because I was nourishing my body with good healthy foods. I wasn't being overly restrictive. So, you know, we would go out to the ice cream shop and everyone else would get their dairy ice cream in a cone and I'd get a sorbet in a cone. So, you know, I was still eating things that are considered unhealthy every now and then. And I felt pretty good about it. But if I looked at the deeper levels and layers, there was still a pattern of restriction and fear happening. So my big no-go was dairy. I'm like, I will not eat dairy. (laughs) I may consume other things that are considered unhealthy every now and then, but I will not consume dairy. There's a lot of uh, identity speech right there that, (laughs) right, I don't know if you guys can hear that, that I will not there's like an agreement that you're you've you've not just written and signed the agreement you've put it up on your wall and you've made photocopies so that that your significant other your family will look at every time they walk in the room everyone must I touch would say this. to everyone as well yeah it's family like you, gatherings. you're advertising you're, you're not meeting. eating dairy <laughs> and so everyone I trained everyone to not um, feed me dairy like they were lovely they ended up Making salads without feta so you're setting and stuff. yourself up. So so here, he, hearing that language, right, is and this obvious agreement that you've written for yourself, <clears throat> you set yourself up for frustration and stress. Setting yourself up for frustration and stress of your own agreeing. Mm. Stress is an internal. Stress is an internal thing. It's an opinion issue. Not everybody has the same opinion as you, so therefore it's an opinion issue. Uh, and and so nothing's wrong until it is. Everything's okay until it's not. And so this way of behaving is completely okay until it's not. And I think yeah. you're going to get into that. Yeah, and I think like during that time there definitely wasn't that obsession like there had been in the past. I had grown up, I had relaxed, I was sick of eating restricted, but it was just this really subtle pattern that was still showing up. And here's the thing, 
The reason why I chose not to consume dairy, even traces, was because it was a real trigger food for me. So it would cause back inflammation, sinusitis, congestion, and I would break out in cystic acne. <clears throat> now, the thing is, is that maybe some other foods might have caused a bit of back pain and low energy, like a bit of sugar, if I had, you know, a good amount of sugar. But I would still consume that sometimes. So the real thing was that I, I avoided dairy as like an evil food or not even evil. I wasn't using that language. It was more around, no, this isn't right for my body. This isn't right for my body because I was scared of getting pimples. <laughs> I was scared. So there's the fear That's again, fear. the fear with the food. Anxiety. I was scared that my body was reactive to dairy, that it couldn't handle it. And that it would show up with pimples. And I was a functional medicine practitioner at this point in time. Shame is coming in. And so if I turned up and I had big pimples all over my face, then everyone would think I was a no good practitioner. And mm, so, that's so that's, shame. yeah, so that's what I mean by the subtle pattern. Humiliation. And I hope as I'm talking about this, you might, you might have even been listening to the, this podcast and maybe not thinking that you had emotional eating issues. Um, but you're just like, oh, this will be an interesting story. But as I'm chatting, you might actually be like, oh, you, I hope that you're just unpacking your relationship with food and seeing if there's any dysfunctions underneath your patterns. Um, but the skin, the skin thing is really common for a lot of women that we, we associate the food that we're eating in terms of how it's going to show up on our body. So that would either be like skin issues, especially the face or weight issues. So oh, I can't eat that. I shouldn't eat that. I'm going to put on weight. Oh, I'm not going to fit into my jeans if I have that. Oh, I'm going to break out in eczema or acne if I eat that. So it's a, so although on one side of the, like on one side of the fence, it is loving. Like it's you are listening to your body. You're listening to signs of inflammation. But on the other side of the fence, personally for me, there was still fear and shame hidden underneath that. Oh, I'd probably say it's not love. I'd say it's pride. <laughs> I'd say it's. I, I say you're getting up into pride, right? Where it's demanding. You're you're demanding a way of of eating. Love, here's the distinction. Love is okay if you do, okay if you don't. Love mm -hmm. is okay if you do, okay if you don't. And and pride is not okay if I do, <laughs> okay if I don't, right? Mm -hmm. So that's so pride is pride is the level there, which which is attached to the emotion of scorn. It's dairy scorn you, husband. You should <laughs> You don't you know it's not gluten, it's dairy that I don't eat. Have you not looked at the okay. contract that I've printed out 17 times and put in our house? <laughs> well, this is funny, although this comes at the Emotionally. end. With it. I might save that story. I'm going to write that down and I'm going to talk about that at the end because that happened the other day and I was just like, crap, that just came out of my mouth. Okay. Oh, cool. COVID happened. So if you've listened to my healing journey story on episode two, you would have heard about I had a significant health flare up during COVID. Um, one symptom in particular was 
excessive amounts like my heartburn basically was back that had been there for about 15 years and then I did functional medicine and gut healing and all that sort of stuff and I was pretty good for about five years pretty much symptom free in fact and then COVID happened the heartburn came back with a vengeance (laughs) tried to do all the same things the lab testing the supplements they didn't work this time and it also affected my relationship with food again because all of a sudden I started noticing that food's high in histamine and I love all the foods high in histamine. That's like avocado and bananas and nuts and seeds and salmon. Like, oh, how this delicious. Is, Chocolate, this cacao. Is grief, grief speech. It's, yeah, it's, so it was horrible. It's just like it's not, tragic. not only was the heartburn again flaming heck and I can't fix it this time, everything. I did last time. So there was shame again as a practitioner that I can't fix it. That's apathy as what well. What type of practitioner am I? I can't. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't. And then it was like far out. I do not want to go back to restricted eating again like I did last time. I did the low histamine diet in the past, which was really hard. It got the healing benefits that I needed, but I was just, I put my foot down and I'm like, no, because I have a philosophy that a healthy body should be able to eat all healthy foods. So I should be able to eat tomato. I should be able to eat nuts. I should be able to eat like my beautiful vegan natural chocolate. I should be able to eat all these foods. And and that's pride speech again. And so to, to rise it up to the level of courage, which is energetically like a, a little bit more positive there, mm. a lot more positive, I should say, that would be uh, I believe I could, uh, a healthy body, not saying a healthy body should, it's, it's I've got a belief that it's feasible for uh, you see how it's just a little bit nicer, yeah. it's a little bit higher there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely wasn't using that language back <sighs> then. I was just flaming angry. Yeah, <laughs> f- 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 flaming angry. Dropping and bouncing, pride, anger, pride, anger. <laughs> which which is interesting. We always think about symptoms as symbols. Like what's not? What's more angry? than raging heartburn that's acidic and burning in my throat. I thought you were going to say, what's more angry than a wife <laughs> to her husband who brings her dairy and gluten-ridden cookies? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so so I got to a point where really I'm just like, I'm not going on a restricted diet again. And I just pretty much band-aid, band-aided the heartburn with every time I ate meals, basically. I just chow down heaps of ginger tablets. So using a natural supplement, which helped to ease the heartburn, but it wasn't addressing the root cause. And then there was a bunch of other stuff happening. You can go back and listen to the episode two when I share my full story. But basically I did some deep inner healing work um, in 2022, just last year, which really changed my life. But about four and a half months into that, my heartburn disappeared oh because what I discovered and what I had to come face to face with was that my heartburn was not actually connected to food or even histamine intolerance (laughs) but it was because I wasn't trusting my body so deep down I still believed my body was weak and incapable and somehow broken and even though I had this grand philosophy that a healthy body should be able to eat all healthy foods there was a part of me 
that didn't actually believe I was up to that, that I was able to have that. I believed it for everyone else, but my but I didn't believe it for my body. And when I was able to do some really deep inner work around that, the most beautiful thing happened. My heartburn disappeared. It was actually a beautiful spiritual moment that lasted for three days. Um, I'll put a link to a video I shared last year about it if you wanted to listen back on that. But during this time too, I said, okay, this is like a little test for myself. If I truly trust my body that it can be whole and healthy, then I think I'm going to try and eat some dairy. Because I was still secret, secretly fearing eating the dairy because of the whole pimples and acne and my self-image thing. And so... That's, that's, <laughs> that's neutral speech right there. That's trust. It's I'm okay if I do, okay if I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give it a go. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's but, the scientist. And, and yeah, and so I did. I actually started approaching it just like I would open up a lab test. It's like, oh, what have we got here? Oh, okay. And so I went into that rather than fear and anxiety around the fact that if I eat dairy, I might get pimples. I'm like, you know what, body? I actually kind of hope I do get pimples, at least initially, maybe only initially, because then I can work through this issue I have with my skin and what I think other people are thinking about me and so it so happened oh my goodness the body gives us the best lessons I did for a good month I started eating small amounts of dairy I felt totally fine none of the other symptoms showed up in my body at all and by the way I'd been doing a lot of brain retraining and nervous system work to get to this point as well as years earlier the physical gut healing stuff um and, and yeah, and so I did, I definitely wasn't cystic acne, but I had some pimples show up and, you know, I was able to work through that and I had some heartburn flare ups because I started believing that I was ugly and I was a no good practitioner because of my skin. And then I worked through that and blah, 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 blah. Um, but now I eat dairy. <laughs> I even went to my parents' house, my family, and they're like, oh, oh, you eat dairy now. You're eating dairy again. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I am because my body can. I've printed out these new contracts you can you can install on your wall. I've laminated them and put them in a nice frame. <laughs> Every time you walk into the room, you, can, you now know my identity is based on the agreement I make for myself. So it's almost like I'll come full circle. Look, I'm still conscious of what I still choose, my relationship with food now. And look, maybe I'll do another podcast in a year's time because it might have changed. My relationship with food now I feel is quite, is very wholesome. Um, it's intuitive, maybe not intuitive fasting like Will Cole sets out keto, intuitive fasting, but it's intuitive. I I use the messages from my body, body what do I want? What does my body need right now? But I also use food for pleasure and happiness too. And so it's like whatever I choose, it's almost like my body moves towards the food. That sounds really weird, but it's almost like I'm leaning towards whatever food. If I was at a social event with a big table of plated food, I won't eat all of it. I'll just intuitively eat what I emotionally want to eat as well as what I physically want to eat. And that's been really really beautiful and freeing 
Um, if you followed me around for a week, you would see that I don't eat perfect like you might expect a clinical nutritionist to eat, but I eat what brings me joy and what makes my body feel good. And I want that for you too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? So that's nice. Good, good job. High five. The next level of growth I foresee for you is to not rely on food for joy. Because at the end of the oh, day... I don't think I do. Well, I you get just, joy well, through other maybe, things. Maybe, sure. But the, langu- the language that you use clearly shows that you do have have uh, a reliance on, on this. Mm. And if we're talking about emotional eating, what, what I would invite you, dear listener, to, to consider is are you okay if you do or okay if you don't and and when 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 something happens outside of you does that make you feel something and it's so normal to to have that happen it's so normal for for when something happens you get stressed what we're saying, the metaphysical reasons that we become stressed, the metaphysical reasons our nervous system starts to to become dysregulated is largely within our control. Stress is internal. We choose it. It's usually an opinion issue. And when we outsource the the power or the the responsibility for our happiness to something outside of ourselves, when we rely on food, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. You see what see the language distinction there? It just gives our power away a little bit. And it's co- it's totally fine and it's okay to, to eat food that that feels good and, and and brings joy. Just just notice when it's becoming a problem, it's probably because you're eating food to be happy so being being able to identify well what's actually stressing me out here um how am i actually feeling oh wow i'm eating food to make me feel good so now i'm giving my power away this is it's part of the work is to to uncover that stuff it's the root root cause awesome just in reference to you starting to coach me on a podcast (laughs) I had some reflection as you were talking about that. This is a thing. Chris and I are here for our own evolution and evolvement as well. Like we know that we are going to be doing this work until the day that we die and even beyond. And we're okay with that. And we want to share our journey of evolving with you too so that you realize that it's not like once and done or you might put some people up on a pedestal and be like, oh, they've got all their stuff together. It's like, you know what? It's just like constant course correction every day. Um, but a little story I wanted to share that I think signifies that there's a bit of work for me still to do is that Chris did bring home a cookie <laughs> from Reliquare. This massive, it was like, I don't even, it wasn't even, it was like a cake slash cookie. And it was gluten free, but it had a lot of white chocolate and dark chocolate in it and he put it on the table he's like oh I got you a gluten-free cookie and I opened it and I said yeah but does it have dairy because dairy's the one that and then I stopped myself I'm like oh no I I do eat dairy dairy's okay dairy is safe for me 
But just the fact that I had that I said that out loud means that there's still some more rewiring yet for me to do. And Chris and is I'm like, okay with that. Chris is like, damn it. You know, you meant to say I don't eat dairy so I can eat your cookie. And I did just to prove the point, prove the point. I don't know. That's probably like pride, but then no, but then to like, so I wasn't sending wrong messages to my body. I like did that self-talk. I even said it out loud. Then I consumed some of the cookie and then I'm like, this doesn't even taste that nice. I don't want it. Um, and then Chris ate it. Then, then Chris is like, you've got you've to heat it up a little bit. Make that chocolate drizzle down the side. But I just wanted to add that, especially for people who maybe might not have emotional eating or you might have this in it, but you have a lot of food reactions. The way that we talk to ourselves and to our body and about like our body. I just talk then. <laughs> is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, either good or bad. We might do a podcast on that soon. You can always find where the compulsion is, where that freedom's been taken away because you're. <sighs> am I okay to not eat this? Mm, no, I want the cookie. Right, you've got some compulsion there. Like, what's underneath that? That's interesting. While you've got your face full of cookie, let's have a think about it. Okay, let's finish this one off or we might go down some more coaching rabbit holes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, do you want to just lastly mention the Natural Medicine Week? Yeah, yes, yeah, so Natural Medicine Week kicking off next week. We're running a webinar called The Root Cause of Emotional Eating, which we'll have the link down there. Jump on the website too. If our web class doesn't really tickle your fancy, there are heaps and heaps of online events run by accredited practitioners from all over Australia. They all look amazing. So check out Natural Medicine Week website. You, thanks guys for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate you. If you'd like to give us extra smiles, drop us a review and spread the love by sharing this episode. You can also rate your own state of burnout and the root cause contributors by taking our Ending Body Burnout Assessment on our website. And if you're interested in learning about our group or one-on-one Ending Body Burnout programs, shoot us a DM via Instagram or Facebook. Have, Have the, the best, best day, day ever. ever. <laughs>